Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I'm on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Because basically I want to know how people find creative solutions and then how do they use them at home, work, play and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time that you need it. So, so exciting today. Today, I'm actually speaking with Kim Payne. And Kim is um, kind of an enigma, (laughs) I would say. Um, If you've ever heard her speak at a conference or watched her videos on socials or listened to her brand new podcast, um, you probably wouldn't believe that she started out her career as a financial advisor. Um, She's now a coach, a trainer, and a public speaker, and she helps professionals find their purpose and realize their value. And I have so many questions for her, so why don't we just jump in? Welcome, Kim. Oh, Abby, I am so excited. And to sit on this side of the microphone with you and with that glorious introduction, bring it on. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And um, kind of a bit of a disclosure here. I've known Kim for about, is it like four or five years now, I would say? Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. We we met a while back through my husband, Michael, who's also a coach, so it's coaching circles. Um, and we've actually worked together with a few clients over the years, which has been awesome. Um, uh, but, yeah, Kim, you're one of, like, the, um, the most bubbliest and energetic people I know, and I love following you on socials, and I know that whenever you call me, it's always going to be a good one. <laughs> And so to nod back to my intro, um, I know it's terrible to stereotype people slash careers, but it is amazing to think that you started off as a financial advisor and to see where you've traveled in your career since then. Um, And the reason why I'm honing on, on the financial advisor part is that this podcast is all about stretching people's perceptions of creativity and what that is and who is creative, quote unquote. Um, (laughs) And I look at you and I see such a vibrant, creative person. So I want to start there and break it down for the listeners. How did you start in finance and how did you get to where you are now? That is so, such a a beautiful segue in. And it's so funny if I can just go back when I was in grade three, we in art class, which I hated, but in art class, we had to create these paper mache globes of the world. And I did it. And quite frankly, Abby, I thought it was quite cool. And this girl has seen it beelined over for over to me and looked at it and gone, Oh my God, you are so not creative. That is awful. Oh. <laughs> and I, I was quite shocked and look lucky I loved maths as well (laughs) so I decided that okay I'm not creative and I I honestly I guess I pigeonholed myself in the I'm the math science girl I'm not the creative type and sadly hung on to that for way too long but it's really funny I always wanted to be a doctor that was kind of my lifelong passion and 
<laughs> in year 10, I did work experience at a hospital. Now, my surname is Payne. So <laughs> they would, <laughs> I know, right? They would put name tags on us. So it would be like um, junior doctor Payne or, you know, and we were all just students doing work experience. And they said to me, do you think we could call you Dr. Kim <laughs> as opposed to Dr. Payne? Some of our patients are a bit older and they might not, you know, float, that might not float their boat. I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet. But when I got into year 11, so I was doing all the maths and science. And when I was going into year 11, I had to pick a fifth subject. And the only ones that would fit were um, things like literature and politics and humanities. They were not my cup of tea. And one of the other subjects was economics. And I took it up and Abby, I fell madly in love. So I know that's weird to think love and economics come out of my mouth at the same time. <laughs> but I, I really, really loved it. And so I ended up going down that path. My career started in stockbroking. It moved into relationship management. And then it moved into financial advising and then consulting and coaching. But something was always missing. I didn't know what it was. And again, carrying that flavor of I'm not creative. And yet over the years, I actually think it's my creativity that has allowed my uncovering of what was really important to me and allowing that to come to life. So one of my core values, and I'm very, very clear on what my values are, but one of them is laughter. So even when I'm running workshops or I'm on stage speaking, the number one or one of the number one ingredients that I want to bring in is laughter in some way, shape or form, getting people to smile Let's make the work, it's serious work that we've been doing, and I've been in financial services for 30 years, but how can we make it more fun and more interesting? Because I actually find that we learn better and we work better when we're also smiling and able to have a laugh at the same time. So that's kind of a little bit of an interlude as to where my background has always been in a very left brain world, and now I'm in inviting and really encouraging the right brain into it. And I'm having way more fun, way more fun. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it isn't it, it that's sort of been like a common theme in the podcast is that there's been a moment in time which has pushed people on a different journey away from creativity. Never heard it being that young. <laughs> it's usually when it gets around to like, we have to get serious. You have to get, you go high school, you're choosing your subjects. You have to choose the serious ones or you go into uni. You can't choose the fun thing. You've got to get a career at the end of it. Um, it's uh, it's always interesting to see where that has actually happened and what a catalyst it is for things to come. So, so Abby, <laughs> can I just share as well? When I was 22, my grandma took me on the Fair Star, so a cruise ship, and on the cruise ship they had a passenger show. So they kind of wanted volunteers to learn a whole lot of dances and go in the passenger show. I don't know why, but I put my hand up for every single dance and I got chosen in every single dance. I think there was some where they didn't have the numbers. I was like, just put her in, put her in. And I literally performed on stage. We did an earlier sitting for the six o'clock dinner guests, then we did it again at nine o'clock for the later dinner guests. At this stage, I I was studying a graduate diploma in finance and investment, and I was working in stockbroking. Right, so I get off the cruise ship, and I decide I'm going to be. My calling is I'm going to be an entertainer on a cruise ship. So every night I come home from working at stockbroking, doing my studies, 
shut my bedroom door and I would rehearse all these dance moves that I just learned on the fester because I was going to have to be teaching them. And about six weeks in, I was living with my dad at the time. My dad, he calls it a come to Jesus meeting, but it means let's have a serious chat. And he said to me, Kim, you cannot sing and you cannot dance. Get a group, come back to the real world and get back to doing what you're doing. Now, oh, I'm not being humble <laughs> when I say I can't sing and dance and Dad wasn't being mean. <laughs> he was just being realistic. So that was my second moment where I had a bit of a, a bash in the face around, you're actually not creative, Kim. You've got to take that on board and run with it. So, yeah, that that is a more grown-up moment um, that okay. was coupled with my grade three moment. Okay, so the door was slightly creaking open and then it was kind of slammed shut again. Mac bang shut in my face. <laughs> yes. So yep. what did you do after that? You just gave it up or how did you progress from there? Yeah, absolutely. So I literally got back into my work, got back into my job and became very serious over the next sort of 15, 20 years about my work. Another moment where it changed, Abby, was when I was a financial advisor. So I was 29 and I was I was reasonably new in the role, even though I'd been in financial services for a fair amount of time in my career to then. And I was sitting in front of this older couple and I was delivering them the advice, right? The woman of the couple, so the couple would have been maybe their late 60s, early 70s, which back when I was 29, that was old. So now it's very young. But the woman in the middle of while I'm delivering the, this advice puts her hand up and says, stop, stop. What gives you the right to give me advice? You're young and female. Mm. I was gobsmacked and I didn't have an answer I because I, I hadn't expected it. From that moment on, it really hit me that even though I was fully credentialed, I had all of, you know, the letters after my name to be sitting in that seat giving the advice, there was obviously something missing about her perception of me in that role as an expert and the value that she was getting from the conversation. So from there, and this really started my move from the very left brain technical financial planning, financial services into, okay, let's explore value more deeply. What is value? How does it play out? And, you know, that was when I was 29 and female, young and female. I'm now still female, just not, not 29 or as young. But value has been very much a theme of my life. And, and I've got what I call um, the currencies of value. It's a little model that I've put together. And one of the pieces of the pie, so imagine eight pieces of the pie, one of the pieces of this value pie is actually creativity. Because oh. to me, in order to be more valuable, whether that's feeling more valuable as a human being inside yourself, whether it's the contribution and the impact you're making to other people's lives or how you live your life. So what are the values and the guiding principles that you live by? In every single one of those three examples, creativity is such a core piece of that pie that allows you to really live your best and fullest life. So, yeah, there's another kind of couple of little pivotal moments where creativity just, it keeps going, you know what, we're meant to be mates. It's coming back, keeps coming back. That's so interesting on the on your pie diagram. So when you think about creativity in that sense, what is coming to mind? So <laughs> let me start by saying when I run workshops with accountants particularly, the first thing I ask them is pop your hands in the air if you think you're creative. Now, <laughs> normally... I'm lucky if even one person in the room puts their hand up. Then I mean, creative the, accounting is 
something else, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And going back to, and I know this has been a theme in past episodes of yours, people still associate creativity with art. And I can't draw, I can't draw stick creatures. That means I'm not creative. By the end of the workshop, and in all these cases, we do, we play a lot of games, we have a lot of fun, we do some serious stuff. But in all cases, it's about just coming up with a solution to a problem. And that is what creativity is at its essence. It is coming up with a solution to a problem. Sometimes that problem has existed before. Sometimes it's a new problem. By the end, the last question I have for the workshop is, put your hands up if you think you're creative. And 99.9% of the time, everyone's hand goes up. Because what they realise is creativity is everywhere in our life. It is in the decisions we make the choices, how we live out, everything we do, even something as simple as this morning, 8.30, my neighbour's bashing on my door saying, Kim, Kim, I need your car. We've got to get, my daughter's got to go to school camp. My car's just broken down. I can't get it at camp. Can I have your car? And I'm like, no, you can't have my car because I've got to drive my son to school. So I went and grabbed my keys and said, come on, let's figure this out on the fly. Get your daughter, get in the car, get her camp gear. I got my son and we're sitting in the car. It's like, right, how are we going to do this? You ring the school, tell them I'm on my way. We did a detail, blah, blah, blah. We got her there and then it was like, okay, how can we work out? How can I pick her up again, get her to it? All of this was going on and I thought this is creativity. You know, it doesn't have to be just drawing a picture or, you know, creating a, a piece of artwork. This is creativity. So when you can understand that it's a choice, and bring it into your everyday work. Like, how do I solve this problem? Or a client's come to me, how do I deal with this? That's where the beautiful gold, and I believe the value of creativity comes into play. Mm. And if I can say on that note too, I started playing baseball just before I turned 48, right? And that that, that was a big thing for me. What I realized very quickly is I'd, I'd been pretty good at softball when I was 13. Um, now at 48, I realized that I can play the game, but I'm not the best on the team. Like if anything, I'm one of the worst on the team. <laughs> so uh, even in my own mind and with my own attitude, I had to realize that I'm never going to be the best on the team. I've got girls that have been playing for the last 20 and 30 years. I can't compete against them and nor do I want to because my physio reminded me that my body is 48, not 13. Um, so there are some constraints that I had to work with, and that's I'll talk about that in a second. So what I did instead was work out, okay, well, where else can I be creative around my attitude and how can I still be a valuable member of this team? And I have a very loud voice and I can be heard anywhere <laughs> on the diamond, anywhere out in the car park. So I learned to channel my voice. I'm a very good cheerleader. So in using my voice to cheer and encourage and, you know, bring up the energy within the team, that became my superpower. And, you know, I got very creative with the words I had to use and how I would encourage people. But it was so interesting that even thinking about creativity as an attitude and a mindset that we can choose, that it didn't matter if we won or lost, that if I did a really, (laughs) had a poor game or a good game, I, I drove away from every game thinking, I added value to the team today, even if it was just my cheering, and that was through my creative outlets, and that makes me a valuable player and contributor to the the beautiful girls that were part of my team. (laughs) I 
I absolutely love that story. And it's so true. I think that creativity is, um, it's totally an attitude is being able to roll the punches because I'm sure if you got out there and you realize, oh God, man, I am not as good as I used to be, which is what a lot of people have said on the podcast that I used to be an excellent artist. I haven't done it for 20 years. I can't go back because I'm not going to be as good as I used to be. You know, if you go out there and you go, oh my gosh, I'm I'm pretty crap at this. <laughs> it could be so easy to just stop and put that away, go, nah, that's not for me. I love the fact that you're going, okay, maybe I'm not going to be as good as I used to be. I'm going to find another way to find joy in it because, you know, it, perfection is different to different people. And it doesn't, it, it's, and you've got to think about the end purpose. You know, creativity doesn't have to be about actually achieving something. It's an expression. It's a journey. <laughs> it's about getting out there and yelling your face off <laughs> in the outfield. I love that. And still feeling like a little girl yeah. <laughs> with, you know, permission granted to just be a bit silly and have some fun and cheer your team. And and I think that, that yeah, you're so right, Abby, that it's not the end result. It is part of the journey. And I think even being able to expand your views on what creativity is, and I know you do this so well, it's it's oh, wow, it plays out in every single part of my life. And a book that I read that I really loved is called The Net and the Butterfly. I don't know if you've ever read it. No. And it's by um, a guy called Judah Pollock and Olivia uh, Fox. I think it's Fox. Anyway, <laughs> it's it's beautiful because it's talking about, it's all about creativity and where you find your creativity. And one of the things they talk about is that, when you do something new, you actually create more neural pathways and more connections in your brain, right? So, you know, especially as we get older, the more new things we do, the more neuroplasticity we get, which means the more connections we make. And creativity is really about connecting, okay, there's this thing here, there's that thing there, what thread or theme would actually weave and bring these together, right? And that's what our neural pathways do in your brain. So when you add new things in, you're sparking more of these things, which actually then makes you and allows you to tap into further creativity. And when I first read that, that was like a, a real epiphany for me to think doing things like hobbies or doing things like, you know, if you normally wear red shoes with that outfit, try wearing green shoes or just changing things up a bit to really get those you know, those pathways reconnected. That to me was such a brilliant example of taking the science. So those that prefer, give me a scientific explanation with <laughs> the, the more artistic version of creativity and bringing them together. And I I just went away last weekend on a girl's adventure weekend. So I was going away with nine Ooh. girls I didn't know to do something that was going to be scary out of your comfort zone. And the woman I went with is actually a client of mine, she's a coaching client, she's a financial advisor. So I was going on with all these women I didn't know to do something that was going to be scary that I didn't know what it was. And I often talk about when is the last time you did something for the first time? And this all came from the whole adding new things into your world creates all those extra sparks and connections. 
So I went away and had an entire weekend of newness. Every single activity I did, every face that I was confronted with or friendship that I then fostered was new. And I swear, even if this is in my mind, that since then I've come up with all these other ideas, things I've been stuck on in my work. Now, I might have conditioned myself to do that because I know creativity and doing new things go hand in hand. But Abby, if it works right, <laughs> we're going to hey, do it. Don't mess with it. But it's also, it, it is also a muscle that, you know, you the more you flex it, the more you'll be able to lift, right? But totally actually, true. interesting what you said there because I one of my goals for this podcast is to have someone, a psychologist or someone come on and talk to us about the fundamental differences between creativity as a child and creativity as an adult. And what you just said there about experiencing this whole weekend of newness, like if you think about childhood, everything is new. Because you're living life for the very first time. As you get older, you're like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. Oh, I've seen that before. As you're a kid, you're like, whoa, that's a tree. That's the first time I've seen a tree. Oh, that cat. Oh, I've never tried a mushroom before. Like you, all these things are brand new. And so really, as a kid, you're flexing your brain extremely. But then I guess as we are re um, reacquainting ourselves with things that we've already experienced, it's not firing that off again, is it? And so we're not getting that same reaction. Exactly. And the girl that runs the Adventure Weekend, she's been doing it for 20 years. And I said to her, have you ever done an activity twice? She said only once, and that was more because logistically it fit and what have you. She said no, because you don't get the same experience and adrenaline rush when you do it for the second time, albeit you still might, you know, if you're jumping off a plane, I'm sure the second time is equally scary, but what it doesn't carry with it is the newness of the first. And it's why we remember childhood and our earlier years so much more. You know, as we get older, the years kind of blur more because there was so many more firsts. You remember your first kiss, you remember your first heartbreak, your first love, you know, your first time falling out of a tree or breaking a bone, way more. So as an adult, we stop doing things for the first time. And a lot of reasons, a lot of excuses, some legitimate, some stories we make up in our head. And that's why one of the things that I've been really, really trying to do over the last number of years is where can I do more things for the first time? So I took up dancing about four or five years ago as well. And and I think that was also trying to relive. I couldn't become an entertainer on a cruise ship, so <laughs> I've been trying to live it. But you know what? Each time even learning a new dance routine, like one of the one of the comments I used to always get was that one, the two left feet, which most people get, but my, that one, my butt was broken because whenever the dance teacher would say, you know, move your butt to the right, I would move it to the left. And she'd go, Kim, no, the other left. I'm like, all right, that one. So your brain was constantly, everything was new. Every dance routine was new. And then you'd learn it. And then you'd have to go and learn a new one. So just stuffing my brain full of newness, I believe was a big part of one, giving me the freedom to then go and continue to do new things because I could also drop a lot of the perfectionism, which I have got that hangover as well. And I every day still have to really look deep into how to get past that. But to think I don't have to be the best to get something out of this, changing my attitude. 
and thinking, you know, the newness is going to be really helpful in other areas of my life. It's going to be something that I'm going to hold on and remember. And I'm going to have a laugh at the same time, which, like I said, it's one of my core values. So, you know, whammo, three birds killed with one one little baby slingshot. Oh, I love that efficiency. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that sort of reminds me, like, I, so Kim has just released a podcast. Fantastic. And I've been listening to a few episodes. Love the music, love the direction. Um, and there was something you said in one of the episodes. It might have been even the first episode. You know, you got me in quickly. Um, it was something about um, expanding your comfort zone. And if you expand your comfort zone, then things are less scary for you. And that is sort of also another recurring thing is that people don't want to um, try something new. People don't want to try creativity if they haven't done it for a while because they're scared of not doing it well. They're scared of not getting it right. Um, and so that really jumped out at me. I, I love that. How did you come up with that? So with all credit to the person who I heard that from, it was Mel Schilling. So Mel Schilling is a psychologist who you might know her because she was one of the experts on Married at First Sight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. She, oh, man, she, I just love that woman. And she wrote a book called The C Word, the C Word being confidence. And I watched all of her webinars in the lead up. I read a book because I gobble everything on confidence. And she was talking about that jumping out of your comfort zone scares a lot of people so they don't do it. So instead, it's about expanding your comfort zone. What I love about this is firstly, when I am sharing this, particularly with women, although not limited to, the idea that you're still, there's an element of safe. There's still a safe place when you're thinking about expanding something as opposed to jumping out of it. So I'm more likely to do something that will expand me than I am to just jump into something, okay? So it, it creates that place of safety, which particularly for women, that safety and support is really important. But also my views, if you think of it visually, if you're expanding your comfort zone, you're not just jumping out. If you jump out, you leave it at the same shape and size. If you expand it, you're making it bigger and broader. So the things that might scare you now, as it expands, those things become less scary, which means that you can do more of them. So confidence really creates and courage, and, and I'll talk to you again about, um, about my definition, the distinction between the two. But what that does is when you do something scary, then that gives you the confidence and the courage to do something more scary. And the more scary things you do, it allows you then to do more of the scary things that you want to do. So that expansion is what I find absolutely brilliant. And so that that distinction that Mel Schilling really brought to my table about expanding, not jumping out of, I've really yeah. embraced that and really run with it. And confidence for me, uh, and a girl called, and a motivational speaker called Mel Robbins talks about confidence as the willingness to try. So if you think about confidence as the willingness to try, so, you know, just, just get in your mind that you can do this or some, you, you're going to be safe. You're not going to, to fall in you know, the end of the world, you are going to be okay. That's the confidence piece, right, is the willingness to even give it a go. The courage is the action piece, actually doing it. And they they actually feed off each other. It's like a confidence-courage loop. Yeah. That 
if you do that thing, then the next time your willingness to do it again or something like it also gets greater and then you take action and it's just this perpetual loop that continues to expand and grow. So that's that's mm. kind of how I bring courage and confidence in and, of course, creativity plays a core role in allowing that to happen. Oh, absolutely, and uh, and allowing creativity to happen as well, both ways, yeah. Oh, totally, yeah, totally. Um, and even, you know, a lot of when I went on this girl's adventure weekend, we did a lot of team-building activities. That was creativity at its best, you know, like pretending you're in a lava pit and you've got these teeny tiny little rocks and you're only allowed two feet on a rock at a time and you've got to get the whole team from one side of the river, the, the lava river, over to another. And even watching people, you know, it's metaphoric, but if they put their foot on the ground, it's like, ah, I'm in the lava. Oh, <laughs> Abby. <laughs> it was just, it was just beautiful and such a, a gorgeous metaphor for how we treat life. We don't want to put our foot in the lava pit. We don't want to stretch ourselves. We don't want to try enough new things. Yet as you do that, and like when we were doing these team building activities, yeah, the first couple of times we'd all end up in the lava pit. But by the end, we'd worked out how to do it. We kind of got our, our teamwork sorted. And, you know, we got across. And, again, it's such a beautiful metaphor for life that <laughs> we keep giving it a go. And, you know, sometimes we've got to get a bit more creative with the way we do it. But it's not black and white. It's not, you know, this or that. It could be this, that, and, 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 and. So it's really cool. I love it. This sounds like an amazing camp, by the way. <laughs> oh, so fun. <laughs> so fun. And yet, like I said, so much creativity that you can then, you know, bring back and stick into your life, into other, because seriously, Abby, if I could survive that weekend and there were some pretty gruelling things we did, I reckon I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and um, sort of jumping back a little bit to um, when we're talking about experience expanding your comfort zone. How how does someone actually do that? Mm. So as I said, I think the key to expansion as opposed to jumping is that there is an element of safety. So you've if you're jumping out of the plane, you've got your parachute, right? You've got your backup plan or your plan B. So all my life as I was growing up, and if and you know, I was I was a little bit uh, I was a perfectionist and I was chasing you know the the A pluses all the time or whatever and so I would work myself up before an exam or you know before my driver's license or whatever and my mum used to always say to me Kim seriously what's the worst that can happen and I'd be like oh I don't pass this test or I don't get an A plus and mum's like no 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 rewind the worst that can happen is that you're not here right that's the worst. Let's now move up from there and up from there and up for there. Hmm. And I know that that's not a new concept, but in terms of expanding your comfort zone, it is your parachute and your backup parachute and your backup backup parachute that really what is the worst thing that can happen? One of our biggest fears is the fear of what other people think. And, and I know that's been a, a conversation that you've had as well. That's not ever going to change, right? People are always going to judge. They're always going to have their own views, their own perceptions and what have you. You can't change that. But if they did think you're a bit of a ditz or a klutz or that piece of artwork wasn't good or that piece of work that you brought to the boardroom is not that great, what does it really matter? Like really, what does it really matter? So just having that backup reminder about, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And if 
someone doesn't like it, really, what is the end of the world around that? So that's one thing that I think really allows you to expand. The other thing is too, is going back and having a look at and writing down, this is a really great exercise, writing down all of the things that you've done or accomplished or achieved in your life to date and not limiting that to work. Looking looking at your whole life, like back, you know, I think you might have been in grade three and you won the spelling contest or you might have raised two humans that are now living beautiful, healthy lives and you've managed to, to foster that growth or, you know, it might be something more that you survived COVID and at the same time changed careers and got fit. Do you know what I mean? Like just having a look, writing that list and reflecting on that list. And it is amazing how hard it is, how easy it sounds when I'm talking about it now, but how hard it is. But you look at that list and that gives you a massive dose of confidence. And it's that confidence that helps expand your comfort zone. Because again, it's like, I can do that. I did do that. And if I can do that, how about, you know, I could give this a go and what's the worst thing that could happen? So there are, there are a couple of little things that really have helped me and helped those that I've coached over the years give things a go because it's that that courage to give it a go that actually allows that comfort zone to expand a little bit more. Yes, I love that. Gathering evidence. <laughs> Basically that you can go back and refresh yourself, draw upon when you need it. That's brilliant. I, I actually saw someone, I follow like a lot of business TikToks and Instagram accounts and all this sort of stuff. So I feel like I'm working 24-7, but I saw one actually just this morning and it and it was talking about, you know, how to nail your next client or something along those lines. And they had such an easy practical tip that was very similar to what you just said is that every time you get a good piece of feedback, save it, put it into a folder and just do it. And then before you are going to pitch, before you're going to quote, before you applying for a new job, whatever, whatever that scary thing is, you go and you just look at that. You just read through and it's like fluffs you up, builds up your confidence, gives you the courage to take that step. I just love it. It's such a simple thing. Why didn't we think of it earlier? I mean, you obviously did, but I did not think of that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have, mine's called my you rock file. <laughs> yeah. um, just rocks, one of my words, you rock is one of my favorite sayings. And I started one of those, I joined a, a mastermind group or a, a program called Thought Leaders Business School. And they used to talk about it in that. And I started one. And Abby, I genuinely tap into that and go back and look over it at times when I'm feeling a bit like, uh, I'm scared or I'm doing something that's pushing me. Or I think those days when you just you know, something might have gone against you and you're like, oh, am I good enough? Oh, man, I'm at this stage of my career. I should have been further. Any of those moments, being able to yet yeah, go back, look at the evidence, that evidence is there and tap into it, that absolutely gives you an injection of confidence um, mm -hmm. to go and then do whatever that next little thing might be. So yeah, these yeah. little, they're little, tiny, teeny things, but they absolutely help. They're tools that allow you to then, because a more expanded comfort zone is going to give me more willingness to want to do more things and live a better life. There's a book um, called The Power of Regret by Dan Pink. I don't know if, if you've read it, but what he shares, and you know, we all talk about, you know, living life without regret. 
But what he shares is that when we're younger, you know, typically in our um, early 20s and stuff, we tend to regret more of the things that we've done (laughs) rather than the things that we haven't done yet. But as we get older and sort of get into our 40s and 50s, our biggest regret is actually the things that we haven't done. So if you, and there's been, again, scientific research, and part of that is that we stop doing new things as we get older because of all these fears and conditioning from society and and not wanting to do something where I'm not the best at it so I won't do it instead. But, you know, all of this, you know, allowing us to not have so many regrets is, is cut off when we actually expand our comfort zone. Because mm. the more the broader the comfort zone, the more chance I'm going to want to give something a go, the more chance I'm going to do something new, either for the first time or given it's been a long time, which means I'm going to have less regrets on my plate as mm. I get older. And that that doesn't mean you eliminate them all because you can't go back in time. But boy, it can eliminate some of those that could right now be getting in your way. And don't let them stop you. Because that regret is often bigger than the fear of actually doing that thing, whatever that might be, putting that thing into the world. And you know what? You're never going to be everything to everyone. And there's a woman, and I cannot remember her name while we're on this call, and she said something like, some will, some won't, so what? Meaning some will like it, some won't like it, so what? And I love that saying. And I apologise to the person who I heard that from. I cannot remember her name, but... (laughs) I just think it's glorious. Yeah, yeah. If you fi- figure it out later, we'll ki- we can add it in. <laughs> so I should know. I follow her. I listen to her podcasts and I she's got a gorgeous free um, podcast on Audible. Oh, I can't remember her name. She's a female coach. Anyway, if I, I will, yeah, I'll get it for you later because she deserves credit because it's a super cool, some will, some won't, so what. Nice. I love yeah. that. And living with no regrets. I think that's great. And um Wow, I, this love, 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 love your story, and I love where you've taken your career. And now, actually, you're still working with financial advisors and other like advice professionals. So I love the fact that it's kind of this, this full circle. You're helping helping people, probably what you needed back when you were back there. Abby, oh, you're so true. This is the stuff. So I used to be helping financial advisors work on their business. That was very much my flavor. Now my move has been, I'm helping them work on them. Mm. And as a result, they build a better business. Um, So that's, if that would be the easiest way to explain that transition. And it's funny, I've always had business coaches or life coaches or professional coaches of some description, sports coaches. And I remember there was a time where, especially earlier on in my own business, the business coach would want to delve into my past and my childhood and I'd sack them (laughs) because I'm like, no, you're here to work on my business, not on my my world and my life. And it wasn't until one highlighted a really important fact and and my interpretation of what he said was, you build a better business when you build a better you. And that was like, ah. And I'm like, sorry to all those coaches that I sacked in the past. I didn't see this. So my my real transition is still allowing people to, you know, whether it's build the business or grow the business or step up in their career or move into leadership. But starting from how do you really look at who you are and what's going on, kind of personal development, although I don't always like using that word, because you get that bit worked on you never get that completely sorted but you work on that is going to actually help you build a much better business or 
faster track to the career that you're looking for, whatever that might be. So constantly learning, Abby. It never stops, does it, as you would know? <laughs> never stops and never may it stop because I think it's such a great journey to be on. Oh, I wouldn't change it for the world. And and even doing something like this podcast and what you're bringing to the table and listening to podcasts, this is all learning. This is all putting new ideas and contents, embracing those neural paths and those connections in your mind. And like mm. you, you know, doing your research on TikTok, that's scientifically proven to be helping your creativity. So yeah. <laughs> we do like justifying any of our little down activities, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll remember that next time. I'm not just doom scrolling, I'm researching. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. no, that's so great. Yeah. And so I'll include the link to to your business and to your podcast as part of this, um, as part of this podcast show notes. So if anyone would love to get in touch with Kim or tune in, you'll be able to find that there. Um, I want to say thank you so much, Kim, for joining me today. This has been such a fun chat. As I always said, it's always great talking to you. Um, and I really want to also thank everyone who's tuned into Creativity Uncovered today. I hope that this episode has inspired you to expand your comfort zone, try to live without regrets. Um, and always hopes that it helps you summon creativity the next time that you need it. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.